0: You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tar. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome back to the Well-Fed Women podcast. This is episode number 336. I am Noel Tarr of coconutsandkettlebells.com. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer. And my co-host is here, here's Stephanie Ruper. And we haven't talked in, uh, I don't know, maybe a month and a half or so just with summer break and vacation. So we have a lot to catch up on and we'll be trying to figure out where in the world is Stephanie now. Uh, we'll also be talking about mental health and body image, natural treatments for seasonal allergies. Ways to get back into it after time off and vacation, which is very fitting. And Inositol for fertility. Before we jump in, I... uh I'm excited to tell you about the best gluten-free sourdough bread on the planet. I have been eating this bread for months, and I have a freezer stocked of it right now. Um, I even took a loaf with us on vacation when we went. I guess I shouldn't call it vacation. It was a trip with my kids down to my parents' house um, in Virginia Beach. But we took a loaf, and it's so good. And the texture reminds me of the bread that I used to eat at one of my favorite restaurants going up. You know, they'd always bring out the bread basket and, like, dipping oil, and it's exactly that texture. This bread is called Bread Seriously, but it's not spelled seriously. It's S-R-S-L-Y. It's nourishing and seriously delicious, gluten-free, and top-nine allergy free, allergen-free sourdough bread. Um, it's gluten-free, but it's also refined sugar-free. And it's made with minimal ingredients. And the uh, bread is actually wild fermented for better nutrition. So unlike a lot of conventional breads, their sourdough bread undergoes this long wild fermentation process, which unlocks the nutrients from the gluten-free grains into more easily digestible forms. You all have heard me talk about how I properly prepare grains that I eat. So I am a fan of rice. I eat it weekly. And I usually soak it all day before I cook it so that it tricks the grain that it's been planted and it releases a lot of those anti-nutrients. And so Bread Seriously has a similar process where if you ferment something, it does the same thing and it is much more gut friendly. And then it's much more nutrient dense because you you have access to those um, nutrients. So they have a classic sourdough bread. They have a cinnamon loaf they actually have sandwich rolls and then dinner rolls, and we've been using those to make um, as, like, burger buns for... Because we grill burgers a lot, and we just, you know, get some good, high-quality grass-fed beef. Um, form it into patties. Salt the outside, folks. Do not salt your actual burger meat. Salt the outside. That is my tip. Um, right before you put it on the grill, and it will be... the. Your burgers will be so good. And we've been looking for buns that we are not like full of, you know, seed oils and stuff. And this is the bread. This is, this is the bread. The kids love it. We love it. It is, it's been fun to actually like eat, you know, a burger, a normal burger and our kids to eat it too. Um, so they ship nationwide. They have a delight guarantee. So if you aren't happy with it, you can, they'll just give you a refund. Uh, what I recommend doing is just placing an order on the website. So it's bread seriously, B R E A D S. -S 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 rsly.com. Use our code wellfed for 10% off your order. So an entire loaf lasts about a week, I I would say, and they come in these like brown paper kind of freezer friendly bags. So you can actually just store the loaves in the freezer, pull one out and lay it out um, to like thaw in the fridge. And then the best way to eat it is just to slice it up and then toast it and put a little coconut oil or butter on it. It's so good. Um, Now I want a piece of bread. So that's bread, seriously. Bread and then S-R-S-L-Y dot com. And then the code WELLFED will get you 10% off. I think there's free shipping on a minimum order. So just like stock up, put everything in your freezer and and get some bread. Um Okay. Hi, Stephanie. <laughs> hey. Let, let's pick back up where, what we were, you, I, I always like it when you're, you're excited to talk to me. I mean... I think you always are. But
1: Wait, uh, but... I don't know. I mean curmudgeonly and I, I bring a positive of ethos and mood to the table.
0: <laughs> okay, so let's yeah. be honest, when you do this for six years every week, you know, a lot of times we come not our best selves and I, I will be the first to admit sometimes I'm like, Hey, <laughs> And then, and then we like have to talk through it so that i can like get my chipper voice and be like welcome to the welfare <laughs> um and you text me this morning and you're like i am so happy when steph talks to me in all caps i know she's like That's i know exactly how, how, how she's saying it and i know i know she's like super happy and i'm i'm waiting to see like what emojis she's including but um what did you used to say when we first met huzzah you'd be like huzzah something <laughs>
1: It's so funny. Those, uh, those kinds of like catchphrases that we run through. I always really like them in the moment. And then in retrospect, I'm like, Oh my God, what was I thinking? Like, I said, huzzah for a while. Yeah. No, no, you know, I've said some, I've said some weird things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So So, anyway, anyway. we were catching
0: up before we jumped on and you were like, let's get started. And then we can talk about this. So I'm excited you are back in the states. Um you're living your best life and I feel if anybody's been stalking her on instagram stephanie.ruper you'll see that she has been dancing and trying on new dresses mm. and um I'm still waiting for the videos of you actually dancing. I've seen other people dancing but I have not yet caught you dancing. Um so tell me where you are and what the heck you're doing.
1: Yeah. Well, the problem about getting videos of you dancing is you either somebody has to do it like spontaneously, which has happened. Yeah. Uh, but and then I go up if I like catch people like filming out of the corner of my eye, I go up to them afterwards. and I'm like, excuse me, can you send that to me? Um, <laughs> right. It doesn't happen super often, but it happens. Um, or you have to like ask a friend to record for you. And then then it's like a thing that's happening. And everybody knows that you asked a friend to record you dancing. And um. And you have to take like a pause and your dancing then is like different because everybody knows you're being watched. And so, Mm -hmm. um, so I like never, I almost never do that. I've only done that a couple of times my entire life. Um, so anyway, uh, I am, uh, considering it, people do message me from time to time and they're like, okay, like, you know, let's go like, (laughs) um, so anyway, yes, I, I do really love dancing and, and hopefully I'll be sharing some videos soon. Uh, I am currently in Boston I uh, came here for the summer. I was planning to come here for the summer. I had some uh, things uh, that I needed to do here, uh, but I have been having such a wonderful time that I have decided to stay. And I have not signed the paperwork yet, but a lease is supposed to be sent to me later today. So pending some sort of grand change in the next few hours, uh, I will be in Boston, in the Boston area. Rather uh, for the foreseeable future, um, it feels great. I mean, so here's the thing. So I was thinking like Paris, I was thinking Dublin, I was thinking some other cities in France, maybe Berlin. Uh, because yeah, you, know, you know where? Like just if you can, when you can be any like where when you can be anywhere, but or many places anyway. And that's such an enormous privilege. But I have been doing so much chasing of happiness or the right place or the right thing. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, like the thing that makes me happy is loving community and meaningful work in a place. And I could probably build that kind of anywhere. But I also Mm -hmm. already have it in Boston, or at least the roots of it, I'm going to have to be really intentional about you know, finding the right communities to tap into and groups to get involved with and stuff. And I'm, I'm really excited about it because I know that it's here. Uh, but I do already have some really close friends, people I love so deeply here. And I know a lot of the spots and the universities and the libraries. And yeah, I... I And it's perfect because I can still get to Europe kind of easily, uh, relatively speaking, you know, but not easily, Uh, and be close to my family. So it's uh, win, as uh, yeah, win, 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 as as they Mm -hmm. might be in the office. (laughs) Win, win, win. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah,
0: Yay. That's that's the news. Yeah. Yeah. And you have hopefully a gorgeous apartment that is like a real adult. (laughs) What would you call it, A flat. Um, yes. You're going to have to start speaking American now. <laughs> I do like apartment. I really like flat. But yeah, it makes. Yeah. I like yeah, it better, I, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yes, I have a I have invested in I have invested in myself in my space and I'm getting a one bedroom uh, that's in a location that I like. So, mm-hmm. yeah, now now I um I don't know. I'm really excited about, like, how it feels. And I have never home decorated before, ever. I've never owned furniture. Well, I bought a futon. I, like, paid for half of a futon to try to make my room beach-themed when I was, like, 11 or 12 or something like that.
0: Um, you paid. You and your parents each paid half? I don't know
1: if I ended up paying the whole thing eventually. Like, I mean, you know what? You know, I don't, I don't yeah. quite remember. Um, that's cute. We always said it was my futon. Like, I did pay for it. But uh, that's the only furniture that I've ever purchased just in my life I have some I have a lot of blankets I have a lot of blankets um, <laughs> right it's just so many like 11 on one bed um so yeah I got a lot of blankets and that's it so I'm gonna be furnishing and doing the whole moving thing oh so no exciting. you're gonna be
0: searching like Magnolia Market and stuff like that like hashtags on Instagram What's Magnolia Market <laughs> <laughs> you know Chip and Joanna Gaines who's Chip and Joanna oh, Gaines oh no is that a person or a oh no Chip Chip and Joanna Gaines, you're you need to start watching HGTV. Oh, I'm not gonna watch HGTV. <laughs> not um, no.
1: Sorry, I draw lines. Okay. I draw- okay
0: they're like probably the most well-known home decorating team family in family how do i how do i even describe them everybody's listening like uh how do you even describe chip and joanna i don't know they're just like home decorators so they do have they're like down in waco texas and they have um they're like you know how a lot a lot of hgtv shows will like have like people who actually renovate houses and decorate them too so it's like a team mm-hmm. so they they actually remodel homes <laughs> making affirmative like, noises like i know <laughs> yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. so they'll be like architecture like they actually will gut a house sure. do the whole remodel and then decorate it too okay. so they they just they're the whole package and they're the one have you been in a target lately yes Okay, so have. all the home, the home, is like Magnolia home. Well, that's I haven't all. been in the home decor stuff. Okay, but <laughs> well, I'll you're go about to you be. recommend it. Yeah. Recommend I mean, yeah, it. I actually, the way that I have been decorating lately is I will get like one or two pieces that are super high quality that maybe are a little bit more expensive that I know are going to last, you know, 10 plus years. Mm-hmm. And then I will um, go to... Fill in to, the rest with, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, fill in the rest with Target stuff from like Magnolia home or whatever. Like there's a lot of clean and simple um stuff that target has anyway yeah
1: okay (sighs) great new phase of
0: life for stephanie ruper
1: yeah everybody like give me your recommendations for affordable sustainable whatever like Mm -hmm. places to shop for this kind of stuff yeah yeah so um but it'll be really fun um yeah yeah i'm excited to like host people and i'm excited
0: for you to be back into um, dancing and that sort of thing too yeah yeah it's so good
1: so anyway how are
0: you doing Uh, we're good. Just watched. Have you been watching the Olympics?
1: No, no, no. I'm like aware it's happening. Okay. That's about it.
0: Yeah. So, um, the U.S. this morning just won their quarterfinal match, which was great. Women's U.S. soccer. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was pretty stoked about that because that like was a really long game and had to go to like the final kickout. And I don't know if you saw the stuff about Simone Biles. I did. Yes. Well, I've seen it on Instagram because...
1: The people in my circles have very strong
0: feelings about it. Yeah, it's pretty polarizing, isn't <laughs> yep. it? Yep, it um, is. So w- essentially what happened, and and our first question is kind of going to talk about um, our own personal mental health journeys and how we stopped and started asking questions about the narrative as opposed to just letting the narrative overtake us when it comes to, you know, health and body image and fitness and all of that kind of stuff. Um, So... Interestingly enough, she, you know, team finals, this is, and again, as a society and as a country, we put a lot of pressure on our athletes, and I get that, um, but that's part of the role, right? You're on the stage, you're representing our country to the entire world, and our country loves, loves a good sport. So I think that even though she has been to the Olympics before and has literally won worlds, like, so many times, they, they you know, the last time she won, people were like, they should just name gymnastics after her. It just should be, like, Biles Jastics or whatever. Because it's just, like, she has completely set a whole new standard. Um, so, they were going into their, in gymnastics, you have an all-round competition where four people actually compete against other four people. So, it's like a team final. And then... Um, you, what happened yesterday in Tokyo was that there was an all around individual final where all individuals compete against each other and everybody expected Simone and the U.S. to win the, all, the team final, get a gold there and for Simone to win again. It's just no question. And she pulled out, you know, she did. And if anybody has seen the vault, um, and has ever done anything like cheerleading or gymnastics or anything like that. It looked very scary uh, where she did the vault and she in midair got lost. She didn't know where she was, um, did not actually complete it, didn't do the full turn, landed in all, and kind of like collapsed over to try to catch. And she like if you watch it in slow-mo, it looks like she just completely lost, got lost. And the day before when they were in the qualifying, when they were trying to qualify for the team all round. Every single time she had a mistake, she was landing and then fell off the mat and it was just like not her. And so um, she pulled out in the middle of the team final. Now, initially, I think a lot of our reactions is like, whoa, you were the person you were our girl. What happened? Like you got to the end and you pulled out like that's not like that's not fair to everybody else and to other people who could have, you know, like competed for us. You know, you should have gave your spot to somebody else. Um, and again, that was kind of my reaction initially f- not seeing it, but then you have to take a step back and just think about what she's doing and the tricks and just the pressure that I think our society puts on, um, athletes and female athletes in general, especially in this, the sport of gymnastics. And if you aren't all there, like it's super, super dangerous. And so I had to almost like take a second and be like, check your feelings. Cause it's now it's like. Why am I mad at this random girl who's like done way more than like I could ever do and has experienced way more pressure and has also like been sexually abused? She was part of that whole USA gymnastics case where, um, the just dis- disgusting human of that is Larry Nasser like violated so many of those women. Like she was part of that group. So, I mean, it's, it's been kind of a crazy year and a crazy past few years. So, anyway, I just think, um, just as, as women in general, and people who know um the importance of mental health, like, we should support somebody if they decide that they are not mentally equipped to handle the, what, the, like, what they're, like, it's not like she wanted that to happen, right? But I had to shift my mindset, or, or not shift my mindset, but, like, shift my attitude and be like, okay, check yourself. Like, it's about her and her mental health. Like, what is this if she hurts herself? You know, what is this if she, her mental health is crumbling? Like, she needs to take a step back and take care of herself. So I was proud of her. I know she's probably crumbling because she doesn't, you know, she don't want that to happen. But... um It just goes to show, like, your mental health is just as important as your physical health. And if your mental health is not there or you're doing something and sacrificing your mental health, like, your overall health is going to decline, including, including your physical health. Our society loves to separate the two. Our society loves to put stigma on mental health and, and think that mental health is a look. And, you know, we in, on this podcast have constantly talked about how you, you've got, like, if you're making changes or, you're sacrificing your mental health in the name of diet, in the name of fitness, in the name of productivity, in the name of achievement. What do you, you know, you're, you're going to crumble. You're crumbling your overall health. And like, what's the point? You know, if you don't have your health, what do you have? So anyway, that's the dish. And, um, I'd be interested to, I mean, did you hear what are your thoughts about it? Uh,
1: yeah, I, I agree with you. I think. Yeah. I I haven't like, yes, I agree. I haven't gone through any kind of particular like thought development. Yeah. When I first encountered the news, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm, And oh, this mm -hmm. is going to like start a national conversation. And and you're right. It's also, it's very polarizing. And it's just so remarkable to me how we can take we will polar you know I don't know we'll say it's so polarizing we will polarize around anything these days and like that's just a fact um, because of it's the way our society is you know and we're, we're very primed to like want to be oppositional and argumentative and mm-hmm. defensive and, and to like align with a group so uh, that's that's really uh, it's really unfortunate I, I can understand where people might be coming from but I'm uh, Yeah, I I don't know. I think that requires an immense amount of courage to step back like that, knowing what the backlash would be, a lot of self-awareness. And I think it's really important, like, to protect yourself. If you're going to be the kind of person who is fighting for something, you have to, you know, you don't have to, but I think it serves you well to know who you are. And if you have to take a step back so you can keep fighting another day, like, that's that's the, that's the effective thing to do. But also like, if you don't want to keep fighting anymore, fine. That's cool. That's a great too. Mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so I just, I don't know. Um, you know, and it's, <laughs> I don't, I don't have a whole lot of feelings about the concepts of like a country and attaching like, yeah. I don't experience feelings about how many medals different countries win. So, I understand what that other people do and it's just like sports teams and all sorts of national things and patriotic things. Like I get it. I don't, I don't have that, that strong kind of feeling. And I do understand that, you know, when you go to represent somebody, you're choosing to represent somebody at the same time, like we are all our own people. And when we act as our own people, we empower others to act as their own people too. And so I think that that's, we could look at the narrative as that's actually something to be proud of and to use as an example right like it, it's not an example of american shame i don't think like it, it we you could look at it the other way if you wanted to um so anyway just some thoughts
0: yeah and i was kind of chatting with like talking because we are, are very um <laughs> go team usa like we're in the olympics completely oh i can totally <laughs> I can, see that okay. absolutely sure so um You know, I was kind of talking and this is like what has surrounded our entire week uh, is is the Olympics. And I think that when we were talking about it, I think that, you know, back in the day years ago, let's say even just two or three Olympics ago, you did not have this sort of coverage. We did not Mm -hmm. have on demand highlights and constant, you know recaps and live streams. And I mean, NBC has four different apps on Apple TV that you could go to and be watching and streaming everything. And so we're seeing everything in real time. Social media has exploded since the last Olympics. Five years ago, it was nothing. I mean, even in just five years, but certainly in the last two Olympics. And so we're all following these Olympic athletes. We're all commenting. We're all DMing them constantly. Not we people, and so I think that the pressure has just gotten into an insane level where everybody has an opinion. And I, I, I know we blame a lot on social media culture. I just think it's been it can be so toxic in certain cases mm-hmm. like this, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where she feels all this pressure. Because she knows it's, it's literally the weight of the, she said, I feel like the weight of the world is on my shoulders. And the whole world is, has access to her and is like, you know, on her social media and watching her constantly and has an opinion. And so I just think, I'm like, we were not built, we were not made to withstand this level of criticism and eyes and like this sort of just, I don't know, like people always watching you and criticizing mm-hmm. you. Um, and even Katie Ledecky, who is, I think she's the most meddled female swimmer um, for from the U.S. She's won silver a few times in the games. She won a gold. Um, but she's won silver in a couple of her matches and got beat out. And people were, you know, oh, I was so sad. We thought Katie Ledecky was going to, you know, just sweep, a, get a bunch of golds and blah, 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 blah. And she came out and she was like guys, I'm not unhappy. I'm having the time of my life. I'm in the Olympics. Like, I'm just happy to be here. And I won a medal at the Olympics. Like, I'm okay. Don't you get sad and worry about me uh, not winning a gold. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just here having a good time and doing the best that I can. And so it's just like, you know, we all, we even put pressure on these athletes to feel bad about getting a silver and not a gold. I don't know. It's just yeah. so. Moving forward, I just, I don't see it getting better, but.
1: No, I mean, it's, it's so easy to, you know, just dehumanize, you, objectify, not see people as, as people and relate in an empathetic way on the internet. Like just fact, you know, and we've Mm -hmm. known that and we saw it coming and it turns out that it has continued to worsen, you know, but there's also a growing, there's also a growing awareness, I think about it and. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, there will be some sort of modifications to technology or how we choose to engage uh, that sort of helps us do it in a more "oh, we're all humans doing our best" kind of way, because that's that's really the that's really the only way that we're ever going to be able to work together, you know, um, and have a collaborative society in a globalizing world that works. So, um, yeah, hopefully the platforms evolve in some way or, you know, the culture shifts in such a way that we relate to them in a healthier way. But uh, (laughs) I, I will I will make no I will craft no hypotheses about when and if or how that would happen. Yeah.
0: If you want to reduce stress and fatigue, improve cellular function and nourish your endocrine system, including your adrenals and your thyroid gland, look no further than red light therapy. It does all of this within a matter of minutes. Red light therapy is one of the most effective health modalities you can do with a device in your own home. It's helped improve my sleep, reduce fatigue and headaches and it's incredible for reducing inflammation and stress because studies show it stimulates energy production in the body by improving mitochondrial function. It literally improves how your cells function. Red light therapy lies like most things, has to be in a specific sweet spot to deliver therapeutic benefits. Things like wavelength, density and dosage have to be in balance. Anything outside of that sweet spot will be less effective, which is why some people buy red light therapy devices on Amazon or wherever and don't see results. Juve, that's J-O-O-V-V, is the leading brand when it comes to effective and safe red light therapy. They optimize all the variables needed to hit that therapeutic window. What I love about Juve is that it delivers clinical benefits within minutes and by using scientifically proven wavelengths So that's 660 nanometers and 850 nanometers, or a combination of both. This ensures Juve's products offer some of those therapeutic values that we see in all that red light therapy research and literature. As of today, Juve has launched their next generation of devices and they've made huge upgrades to what was already the best red light therapy systems on the market. Juve's new devices are sleeker, they're lighter, and they've intensified their coverage area. Plus, they have some really cool new features like recovery mode for post-workout and then an ambient mode for like a calmer lower lower intensity of light at night to support circadian rhythm functions. Um, if you're looking for a new Juve device for your home or you you want to invest in one, which I highly recommend. Go to juve.com slash wellfed. That's J-O-O-V-V.com forward slash wellfed. And then use our code wellfed for a discount that's exclusive to us. It's a percentage off, so I would jump on it. Again, that's juve.com slash wellfed. So, Question so. number one is from Rachel. She says, I've been dying to ask and haven't. And I get, I, these are actually some questions that I saved that were from previous question streams that like came after I had, we had already recorded and I have always made a note to go back to them. So some of these aren't like this last week's question stream. But, um, so anyway, this is from Rachel. She says, You and Steph are both wise women who examine your lives deeply. And I'm curious if you would talk. Further at some point about your mental health journeys, I know you have touched on this. Sorry if I missed an episode where you did further. For example, you've spoken about questioning our false beliefs and where they come from, really challenging them and getting to the root of what we want to control with our behaviors. I'm sure I'm currently shifting to focus more on my mental health and wondering what books, teachings, or other sources have impacted you most on your journey. And she says, number two, tied into that, I want to take a look at my relationship with alcohol. Some people don't struggle with this at all, but some of us do, even if we would never come close to meeting the definition of alcoholic. uh, I realize this relates to number one. Any thoughts on how to tackle this? Sorry, that was a novel. Looking forward to this episode.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you sharing this uh, question and journey that you're on a lot In terms of what I can provide for external books and teachings, it's funny, I read this question the other day and have been coming back to it off and on since. I can't think of much. Um, There's a lot of different components of things that I have touched on, right? So, Noelle mentioned earlier like And you mentioned false beliefs. I remember a really big moment for me. It was right before I wrote uh, Sexy by Nature. But you know, back in the day, it was now nine years ago when I had this realization, when I read my first book about feminism. And I was like, oh, OK, OK, uh, that's interesting. Um, And that I learned a lot about society. I couldn't tell you what the book was for the life of me. It was so long ago. Um. So, I think like educating ourselves about the world is really important uh, about history and how things came to be this way and about. Influences, And unfortunately, I can't even think of books that I have read that would point to them. Uh, I know they exist. (laughs) Um, But understanding the world and how it came to be this way is really, really important. I always um, talk about deconstructing and then reconstructing, right? Like you have to know what you're sitting in. And you mentioned false beliefs. So I'm, I'm sure you're aware that I've said similar things. Like we have to see understand what the nature of the pool is that we're swimming in, in order to then like navigate the currents. And I don't know now I have to stick with this metaphor since I came up (laughs) with it. So like erect some like barriers or put in some logs and add some frogs or something and make it in a nice little pond. Okay. Whatever. Something that happened, that metaphor happened. Um, (laughs) I think uh, the most important thing, uh, practice of mine is really consistent self-awareness, by which I mean constantly paying attention to my inner state and trying to understand how and why it is that way. And doing it in a way that is compassionate and trying to treat myself the way that I would treat other people while I do this. And so I would recommend, I don't do this as an intentional practice, but I've, I've, I know that sometimes a, a more regimented type exercise is good for people but you can actually set aside time every day you know 10 or 20 minutes you know often people will will sit and meditate which is a wonderful way to be mindful but you can also do like an intentional dig into your emotional and mental space sit so it's like journaling but with a purpose or an awareness of like here's something i did today what was i feeling when i did it okay and why do I think I was feeling that way? What might have been influencing me to make me feel that way? And you can come up with some potential ideas and some will feel more accurate than others. And that's just, I think that's just how we work. I, I think of it as a feeling of accuracy of like, oh yeah, that's the one. It's really helpful to do this with people who also are gentle and compassionate about figuring out what's influi- influencing us. Uh, i That's basically like what me and my friends do. <laughs> like call each other. I called a friend earlier in the week. because so I was looking for apartments and I was like, Hey, do you have a little bit of time to help me like untangle why I'm feeling this way? And she's like, yes. You know, and then you ask you know, questions about, um, did you feel this? Or do you think maybe your attachment to this is uh, playing a role? And so, um, doing these things with people, uh, can be a great check, um, on yourself and being around people who are compassionate you know, therapy obviously is is like this, is similar to this. Uh, there is also a lot to show um, in the literature. I think. Um, oh, okay, forgive me for saying that. I haven't read the literature. I've talked about it briefly with people through various points in my life. So, <laughs> but um, compassion and empathy is such an important part of our relationships with other people, and so. Surrounding yourself with that for yourself and for others, I think, can really help us move into places where we are self-aware and then don't turn towards the things that can be unhealthy for us, right? Don't turn towards things that are uh, coping mechanisms that have addictive properties or qualities. Uh, I think that kind of softness, holding yourself in a soft space, like, okay, I'm just human, I'm just here, all things all things change, all things pass. There are ways out of this. There are, I uh, am just sitting here and I'm a human and that's okay. I think getting comfortable, being uncomfortable is really important. And we do a lot of running into substances and into patterns of behavior, um, various kinds of things to avoid discomfort because you don't maybe want to look in, or you're afraid of what you're going to find. But if you take maybe set aside some time on a regular basis to sit with those feelings and unpack what might be making you uncomfortable and then you can put it away. Right. And again, this is very much similar to, you know, what therapy is and you can do this with, do these kinds of things with the therapist or, or not. Um, and then, yeah, you, you, you take it down and then, and then you build it up. I think something that's um, I'll say two more things and I'll stop. Something that's really important for me is having a bunch a bunch of things i like to think of my mental space i do all the time um as like um kind of like a like a parthenon right so like a big open space with a roof and a bunch of pillars right so it's like a greek building with a bunch of pillars and i like to have a lot of pillars um and some of the pillars are people uh, friends and activities dancing and some of the pillars are like me uh, meditating, me exercising, or me sitting and thinking, me knowing that I'm capable, me working on feeling like I'm capable, me knowing, you know, having all of these different kinds of um, thoughts and feelings. Um, and then, if any of the pillars get taken away or get jostled, I'm I'm still okay, you know. And I have my own practices in myself and things that I can reach out to in the world that can help me sort of work through whatever I'm going through and keep moving forward. Um, the last thing I'll say is, I think a Really big part of my journey of late has been uh, learning to let go of things that I once thought I needed or once thought would make me happy. Uh, and it's the process of letting go is is difficult, but we are we sort of are always networked with attachments to every, like to our worlds like that's we ping-pong around in these networks of things to which we are some degree attached uh, and letting go is hard because we rely on those things we just we come to and and that's very human i think again generally speaking uh but learning to release what has been and be open to what might be i think is also a really um powerful way uh to turn towards behaviors that are you know, conducive to our flourishing uh, as opposed to uh, ones that can ultimately be, be disruptive. Um, yeah, I, I could keep talking and maybe more specifically, I, I wouldn't, I don't want to comment on the like biochemical aspects of how people think about um, addiction and alcohol and what have you. Um, but I do think learning to love the honesty, any kind of dis- discomfort, um, is, is really important and doing it in a space of, um, compassion. So, okay. Mm. Hey,
0: you know, as you were talking, I was just trying to sit here and think about what was my journey and was there anything that I read or what? I, and it, there wasn't any like one book. Mm-hmm. I mean, I read them, you know, I, I had a workbook on emotional eating because I thought that that was my problem. And I had read a lot of diet books and then mental health and self-help books like I was always in the self-help section, you know, because I wanted to better myself. And there wasn't any and I I'm sure there are sufficient books on this topic Mm. now. I just don't think that reading a book is necessarily going to lead to a lot of the change that you Mm. think it would. I think a lot of us want to snap our fingers and be like, okay, I'm just focusing on my mental health now and I'm going to leave all this stuff behind. And then you wake up the next day and you look in the mirror and you start thinking about, well, maybe I should skip breakfast or Ugh, I don't like this cellulite right here or whatever. And you're like, that didn't work. What, <laughs> you know, how how can I leave this behind? The truth of the matter is you, like Stephanie, you were saying is like, it really takes a healthy dose of self-awareness and understanding that it's a daily thing. And yeah, you can definitely move away from being controlled by thoughts around food and fitness, and feeling like your worth is in those things. Absolutely, you can get to a much more healthy place. But it—they're always, you know—we we live in a world that is hyper-focused on appearance and achievements and productivity and success, and so daily we have to as women in general, but we have to we have to take a step back and say, is that really what I want for my life? Is that really going to fulfill me? And if not, what is? And I think that for me, it was a rock bottom moment of being super, you know, severely injured. I had just completely driven my health into the ground, you know, all through college and was working at a triathlon store and just just training all the time and just totally destroyed my hips and my back. And um, and just kind of being in that state, I, I had to take a look at, okay, what am I doing this for? Why am I trying to train so like, what do I want out of this? And so it wasn't like a book that I read or anybody I was following on social media because I really didn't even, you know, I wasn't even on Instagram or anything back then. And if anything, the people I was following on Pinterest were like, it was the opposite, right? It was like, don't stop until you're proud and, you know, like all the garbage, the fitspo. I think just being in that moment, the rock bottom moment and like that requiring me to question and kind of say, why, how did you get here? <laughs> um, it required me to build a new narrative. It required me to say, okay, this isn't working. I don't feel better. I don't love myself anymore. Like, I'm not, I don't like, I'm not happy now that my body is, because I did get very thin. I lost my period. I was running, you know, umpteen amount, you know, however many miles a week. And I hated it. I wasn't, you know, I would say that I enjoyed it, but there were definite parts of it that I absolutely hated. I never felt good. I always was thinking about food and I wasn't healthy. And so I think that if you can get yourself to a place where you can stop and, and re-evaluate your own values and say, what is it that I do value and where is it, is it that my worth lies? Then you can kind of Recheck, you know, keep that on a sticky note somewhere on your mirror um, or, you know, on a note on your on your computer and continually remind yourself of that because you are going to be bombarded still day by day with these these messages. I mean, it's it's all in my discover feed still on Instagram and, you know, I, I even after having babies, it's, it's been, it's been a challenge, you know, for me, it's like, I totally lost my fitness. I totally. And so like, again, I had another moment of like, what is it that I value? Um, I value being able to walk and feel good and stand and not be in pain. And so that's what I was able to focus on, on, and naturally had to leave some of this other stuff behind me and say, my, my worth and my value doesn't lie in these things. So let me pursue what I know is going to fulfill me and where I know, you know, I know what makes me happy. And and that's my family. And I think of as of late, too, it's, I mean, I know, for me personally, my worth lies in Christ. I know that, like, I've been doing a lot more, you know, and I think some of it is maturity. Um, And just having life experiences and getting older, like, you hit 30 and you're like, what am I doing? And, um, you know, as I've gotten older and I'm raising kids and all of that, it's for me personally, I've been spending a lot more time being intentional with, um, you know, getting in the word and really understanding my purpose. And where does God want me and what is it that what work do I need to be doing um. How how do I need to be spending my time so that I'm glorifying Him and not totally focused on myself and my success and, like, what I'm posting today? So naturally, a lot of my time has been moving away from... you know, this is, this is 2.0, I guess, is like, you get super focused on success and achievement and stuff. And I have talked about this too. And she's like, why do you want, what, what, why do you need to be successful? Like, what's that about? And so, (laughs) um, so I, I've had to kind of reshape my views around that because I do think a lot of people who have struggled with trying to get a good, you know, the perfect body and work out a ton and control food and all that, sometimes eventually move that to achievements, whether it's like their children being successful or their business being successful or them, you know, making a lot of money. And so even so, you know, in in now as an adult at 35, um, which I struggled deeply with this stuff 15 years ago, um you know, that was a long time ago. And so now I'm a different person. And I've come, you know, a long, a long way, but I still struggle with the same things, which is finding my worth in, in the way that people perceive me or perceive my success or think, you know, how much, you know, do does is she successful? Does she make good money? And, you know, and so we, we can get trapped in that a lot. And so, you know, in the modern day, I'm just more concerned about, what am I doing, where my worth lies now, which is it's in Christ. And what am I doing um, to like do what he's called me to do? Like, how am I taking care of other people and serving other people? And um, also like sowing into my children and my family and the people around me that need help. So anyway, um, number two, tied into that, I want to take a hard look at my relationship with alcohol. I think this is, I think this is smart. Um, I actually, after I did an interview with Carrie Jones she talked a lot about you know getting older and the impacts of alcohol on our on our liver and on our body and we have this very strong like mama needs her wine culture and like mom needs to be you know with wine in hand to get anything done and I don't in looking at that now um it it Kind of, I don't love that. I I think it's totally fine if you enjoy your wine and you you know you know that you have a healthy relationship with alcohol. But I will be honest, you know, we have alcoholism in our family, and I, you just have to be able to know that I'm not using this as. A crutch. I'm not using this to escape. I'm not using this to not deal with my problems. And when you see that happen, um, stop it before you get to the place where you become super dependent on it. And obviously, therapy and and a a licensed therapist would be able to help you much more than this podcast. But I do think that there was a point where, you know, I didn't drink at all for a long time. And then, after having kids and I was really just tired and struggling, it was like Ken would come home and we would make a drink. And even though it was like one drink at night, it was kind of like, I don't want to do this every day. Like this was cool, but I think we're getting to the place where I don't want this to be what's the burden on my liver and i i I don't want this to be like i have to have you know have a drink to get by the end of the day that's like what i have to have so now we he even says like do you want me to make you something and i'm like no you know recently it's just been a hard no um and maybe we'll have like a drink or two on the weekends but i do think constant self-awareness around that is important too so anything else uh no, I th- I think
1: I think that that's yeah that's just really important you know um mm-hmm. and I thought that what you said about there being like a secret you know like we say in about diet like there's there's never going to be one secret thing that you do well occasionally there could be one or two things that like really make a difference for you but it, you know it, there's not take this one supplement and everything's going to take this one this and everything's going to mm-hmm. um there's no quick fix. And it's this you, I thought that was really wise of you to say, like, there is no quick fix. Have I read tons of books that have like, in tiny ways, each one like helped shift me? Yes. Um, but uh, generally speaking, it's more about an attitude of, you know, wanting to come home to your honest self. Um, yeah,
0: Yeah, we do talk about this a lot in our book, we have a chapter all on mindset. So, um, so like, if you're going to do if you are going to pursue health and fitness changes, how to do that with the correct mindset, I think that that's huge. So just creating a solid foundation um, is important. So the second question is from Angela. She says, is there anything I could do, I could take for allergies besides the pills? Um, and she also says how to bounce back from daylight savings time switch, which apparently this, this question was from a few months ago. But I do think it's still um, mm. helpful.
1: Uh, so this is very interesting to me. I don't suffer from seasonal allergies, but I do, I think, I have some new working hypotheses about my health, and a lot of them have to do with histamine. I do think uh, histamine mm. is is a thing for me, and so I've been doing a lot of reading about histamine. Um, and so allergies are, you know, a part of your body's immune response, uh, and the allergic reaction uh, is related to um but not entirely composed of uh, histamine, right? And so um, histamine is very interesting because it's a naturally occurring molecule in your body. It's used for a whole bunch of things. Um, Interestingly for me, very interestingly, is that this includes regulating wakefulness and alertness. So this is why taking antihistamines will make you drowsy because histamine actually contributes to alertness.
0: Um, Oh. I don't, I don't yeah. think I had connected that dot between antihistamines, drowsiness. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So, so that's the thing. Yeah. And,
1: um, and so histamine is like in your body and it's important, but you don't want to have too much of it. Right. Uh, and your body can, your body like, you know, makes histamine and you can also consume histamine. And then there are also, so that's like the input side is like your body making histamine, which you will do in, in, in. Say uh, in response to something that is perceived as a threat, perhaps, uh, and consume it. So that's the in, and then the out is, of course, the breakdown of histamine. Uh, and one of the primary uh, molecules is called, uh, of, often known as the DAO enzyme, um, diamine oxidase, I believe. And uh, DAO is really, really important. Uh, it helps clear histamine and some people have a genetic predisposition to not clear it very well, uh, which can lead to a buildup of histamine in the body, uh, which can lead to a whole host of symptoms, which is related to, but not like 100% the same thing as an allergic reaction, you know, something to pay attention to. So, um, so uh, for the part of allergies that I happen to know the most about, um, histamine is uh, really common in aged things. Uh, and, in, including alcohol. Um, I'm wondering if this is why I have such a low tolerance for, um, so like if somebody opens, say a bottle of gin and that day I drink it, it's fine. But if it stays open for a couple of weeks and I have it, I like, can't, I get an immediate headache. Very f- interesting. Hmm. Um, yeah. So, um, alcohol, um, and aged foods, So fermented foods, aged meats, uh, cheese. I used to eat so much cheese, um, vinegars and uh that sort of um thing so like anyway and here's a very important note for anybody thinking about allergies and or histamine intolerance caffeine is a dow inhibitor so uh like and there is a little bit of histamine in coffee and i think um this is just really important uh because if you're wanting to clear those things out of your body uh Caffeine will make it can make it a little bit uh, trickier. Um, there are some things you can take that can support histamine clearance. So in addition to uh, reducing the amount of high histamine foods you're eating, because again, like histamine is is a perfectly healthy thing, we just want some balance. Um, some things can help you clear histamine because of their like really lovely anti-inflammatory properties and the specific effects they have on the immune system. Um, the three that I have experimented with and I think may actually be quite effective are turmeric, uh, ginger, and quercetin. Is that how it's pronounced? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I only recently started taking that like uh, last week. Um, and there's another thing. There's like a like a supplement that's a mix of a whole bunch of different herbs called dehist or natural dehist or something like that. Um, I think you mentioned it in your notes, Noelle, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. that's that's another thing that, that is, like, in this in this uh, pool of, like, really potent anti-inflammatory herbal supplemental kind of things. Quercetin is a compound naturally occurring in plants and vegetables, but you can, like, just, you know, take it as a, as a single molecule, um, and uh, these things can help. Now, I can't, again, I can't speak to how they might help for seasonal allergies, um, but they have, I think that they're making a difference for me in terms of my relationship to histamine, and that's just something to keep in mind in terms of trying to um, modulate uh, your seasonal allergy response and then probiotics and your gut flora are like the other really key bit um, of, of helping yourself and your experience of um, allergies. And so I'm just going to like blanket say, like do the gut healing probiotic thing. I think Noel might talk about that a little bit more. So I'll let you do that.
0: <laughs> the blanket statement. I like that. Take um, Care of your gut bugs. I, I think truthfully, um, Absolutely. So my husband does have really bad seasonal allergies, and any time that we are outside and working, um, you know, lawn stuff, which we do every weekend, he pretty immediately will have some problems. One of the things that you can do is if you're outside and you come inside, you can do the neti pot to clear out all those allergens out of your nose. That's really been helpful for my husband. Um The whole goal with taking these more natural remedies or these more natural supplements for treating seasonal allergies is really to calm down the immune system, support, like Stephanie said, your gut. Digestion in your gut impacts absolutely everything from your metabolism to hormone balance uh, and how your body excretes hormones to seasonal allergies. Your immune system, 70% of your immune system is located in your gut. And so really, you know, trying to remove inflammatory foods like, you know, things that we absolutely know are and Steph and I both stand behind are things like vegetable oils and really processed sugars and grains. Of course, it's we don't say avoid that all the time, but I do think if you're dealing with like an unknown immune reaction you could you could potentially be dealing with like a an immune response to some food and so it's really important like even processed dairy and so it's really important to kind of figure that out too and you would likely see a reduction in your seasonal allergies if you kind of pull, did a you know like maybe an elimination diet um, we have a four by four in our book I would definitely consider reducing um, or removing dairy um, because that can really trigger uh, like <laughs> phlegm. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. yeah, just a lot of me. those yeah a lot of those those seasonal allergy symptoms. The other thing that's really important is supporting the liver. So the liver is responsible for actually breaking down excess histamine in a process called methylation if the liver is sluggish, histamine is not broken down properly, and then it can build up in the body. And then when you come in contact with a pollen or another allergen, both the immune system and the liver will pump out histamine in in response to that. And so when this happens, like all your seasonal allergy symptoms can really flare up. So supplements that support the liver uh, are I think, are going to be your first strategy and then supplements that help to clear out histamine because a lot of that, the symptoms that you're experiencing is very much so related to the buildup of that histamine. So the first things you can do is, of course, like Stephanie was saying, saying steer clear of alcohol, which is high in histamine, other histamine-containing foods, fermented stuff, the cheeses, sauerkraut pickles, that sort of thing. That's going to make a a big difference. Take a high quality probiotic without histamine producing strains. I like smidge probiotic, smidge probiotic. You're going to have to order it directly from the website. Uh, Certain nutrients. So this is vitamin C. So antioxidants, vitamin C, quercetin. Um, They are potent natural antihistamines. And, and and then you can also supplement with magnesium that can um help alleviate some symptoms as well and then support liver the liver so we take a supplement by standard process called Antranex it's a n t r o n e x it's desiccated liver with some calcium just kind of support your liver to help clear out that histamine and then a lot of people love the natural dehist um it's by orthomolecular um I personally like, there's a there's a product from Designs for Health called Hist-Ease. And it actually does have sufficient quercetin in it. Um, and so it's got nettle extract and a couple other things in there that's really going to support the elimination of histamine. So try doing that in the morning and at night when your symptoms flare and see how your body responds. You can also try a homeop- homeopathic. Like, I just <laughs> I feel like, what's the harm? Um we do the rhine allergy pil- pills like if he gets if it gets really bad he'll take rhine allergy again homeopathic and you take it like i think it's like two every 15 minutes for like the first hour and then you take it every 6 hours it's just like sugar pills um so try that and i think it will really help it does help my husband's symptoms and he he does they clear up within you know like 24 hours we talk more about histamine, episode number 270 with Dr. Becky Campbell. I'll link to that in the show notes so that you, if you're feeling like, huh, I have a lot of seasonal allergies or I have a lot of these symptoms, I need to learn more about histamine, check out that episode. So the last question we'll do, the, uh, we'll talk about inositol next episode uh, because I, I want to give that sufficient time. So I know I said <laughs> we were going to talk about that, but we're not. Next week. Um, okay, question number three is from Dana. She says... Oh, did we forget part of this? Okay, so let's combine it. So Angela says, how to bounce back from from daylight savings. And um, question number three from Dana says, what do you both do to get healthy habits and digestion, specifically back to feeling good after vacation? Um, Yeah, so I can be be quick uh, in
1: terms of what I do. Um, I... In terms of daylight savings, just an hour... Um, I mean, (laughs) uh, my bedtime is not particularly regular at certain points in my life. So, Mm. uh, (laughs) but sometimes, sometimes it really is. In which case, uh, I just I roll with it. I just. Wake up at the time that I have to wake up and get in bed at the time that I want to go to bed And I always take um, some things that I think are a little helpful for my sleep. I take magnesium eight, I take uh, glycine and I take a little bit of melatonin like I bite like a little bit off of a pill so or like a tablet um, so uh, those are things that I take and uh, it doesn't take me much more than um. A, a couple days uh, to readjust and same goes for uh, switching time zones. Although if you're traveling East many hours, that's a longer conversation um, that I have a lot of opinions about and I'll shelve it, but feel free to, <laughs> feel free to ask if you have any questions. Um, and in terms of uh, getting digestion back on track after a, you know, food poisoning episode or something like that. Um, I do one thing and one thing only. I eat kimchi and it's so funny I tell my friends this all the time you know they like are struggling with or whatever or this or that or that I'm like I this is what I do and it works and people so rarely believe me and I won't promise that it's like you know again the one thing that will fix anything for anybody but if I have any kind of stomach bug or whatever I take it very easy I try to eat foods throughout that period that just like intuitively feel well like I could I could prob. I personally could probably include like a lot of things on that list that others might not, you know, like something that has grains in it, for example, I would probably be able to tolerate, but it depends, depends on how I'm feeling and what I'm going through. And maybe carbs are not the thing to be eating in terms of what's going on in my stomach. Um, but, uh, but I eat kimchi and then uh, when I'm done, I'll eat it like, you know, a little bit, a couple times a day. And uh, it takes me a few days to get back on track. I haven't had experience where that didn't work, but um, I know there's always a first time for everything, so um, Mm -hmm. I might be wrong about that. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Okay. No,
0: that's good. I love a good kimchi, and we usually do that too. We come back and we try to eat some sauerkraut and stuff. That's just gonna help (laughs) regulate our digestion, get things back on track. What we have? Oh, let let me talk about daylight savings. Um I hate it. I I hate the whole switching an hour. I it's just the worst as a parent. Uh but what I ha- what I try to do, which is probably not all that surprising is 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 get ahead of it. So I will actually start to make changes before they happen because mentally I do. So I I I'm a little tricky with my sleep and I think a lot of people are and it's like the more the mental component than anything. And So sometimes when it's really, really late and I haven't gone to bed yet and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to fall asleep. Because sometimes when I stay awake longer, like it just, I don't fall asleep as well and blah, blah, blah. So, and I know my circadian rhythm is going to be off. I'm going to be tired the next day. So I just have to kind of stay ahead of it, both with my kids and myself. I sort of try to push us along so that we get to bed quicker and we get the kids to bed quicker. So like their bedtime's 8.30, they sleep 8.30 to 8.00. and. I try to push it so that I'm like, okay, we're going to get them to bed at 8.15. Okay, we're going to get them to bed at like 8-ish, and then by the time the the thing switches, we're kind of already there. Like, we'll just put them to bed later, you know, 8.45 once the time switches, and then we're back to 8.30. And it does take a long time. It it takes a while, but, you know, a good couple weeks, but at least we're just slowly moving that way. And so that's how I take it with myself, too, is just slow incremental shifts. Inevitably, you're going to have a really crappy night of sleep. I mean, it just happens, right? You're just going to not sleep one night. You're going to get a couple hours or whatever, and you're going to be exhausted. When you're exhausted, go to bed. (laughs) You know, go to bed at 9 o'clock or whatever, and you kind of will be right back on track. So, and and when you wake up in the morning, try to get outside and look at the sun. I think that really helps. It's just, you're kind of resetting your clock. So, get up, go outside, look at the sun. Oh, I forgot. Sorry. My mood lamp is so helpful for that. So helpful. Yes. Do you turn it on in the morning?
1: Yeah. Well, when I was living in, in Oxford and <laughs> right now I have, there's nothing about my schedule that is regular. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to establish it, but, um, but I would like, I would turn it on for about an hour or like, well, more than they recommend. So don't do what I do, but <laughs> like thir- 30 to 60 minutes, maybe, um, like an hour after waking. And it just really helped me be feel good and be energetic during the day and tired at night. It was just, it was very, very helpful. Um, that's great. Yeah. So anyway, sorry. Go no, ahead. That's, that's smart.
0: Yeah, that's really smart. Um, For the digestion, I think coming back and taking the kimchi and the sauerkraut is really smart. We do try to take our supplements with us now. So anytime we go anywhere, I try to keep things as, as simple as, well, let's be honest. It's not simple. I try to keep things as on track as possible in terms of our health and how we feel. So I we do take our supplements. We try to take our magnesium, of course, with us. We take our our probiotics because I've had bad experiences on vacations in other countries where I have been, where I become very sick and it just ruins everything. So we do try to take our supplements. I don't venture out and try and eat a lot of random stuff because, again, I know that my digestion, I I have a history of IBS and a lot of digestive issues, and I react very, I'm very sensitive to lactose still. And so, and sometimes it just gets in, you know. So I try not to vary as much. We try to go You know, and we still enjoy ourselves. Like, I'm good to eat some whatever gluten-free desserts that they have. And we do try to eat good big dinners. But we will bring snacks with us. And try to keep that more, again, on track and just kind of eat some normal food. So in our suitcases or whatever, we always pack some bars, lar bars, snacks for us, snacks for the kids, so that we keep that balance. And then when we come home, we have less to kind of fix, so to speak. Take your probiotic take your magnesium, eat some kimchi, go slow getting back into workouts. Do not think you're going to jump back in right to your normal routine. So even the just the week after we got home from my parents, I did try to work out a little bit while I was there just to keep my body moving. I know my back feels better when I do that. I feel better. So I did bring my little Peloton, my iPad on the with Peloton app. We brought a set of dumbbells and I did two workouts, but I knew that I was not going to feel great getting back into some of my endurance stuff, the cycling. So I took it slow. I took, you know, took it a notch down, did some easier classes, got my body back into moving again. You know, you're, you're sleeping in different beds. You're sitting in different chairs. Your body needs a little bit of time to adjust and get back into its normal routine. So go slow in that area too and spend more time on a foam roller, stretching, getting uh, loose, and just kind of getting your body back to where it was. And, of course, just f- start eating your normal stuff. Whatever you were eating before you left, do it again, and and things will shake out. So, okay, that's it from us. Anything else from you, Steph? No. Good to catch up. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about inositol, which I always feel like um, it's one of those words that you could say in inositol or inositol. Uh, but we'll talk about that next, uh, time Steph and I are together and we'll kind of go more into depth and into that. So don't you worry, we'll get there. Uh, for more from me, you can go to coconutsandkettlebells.com and I am coconutsandkettlebells on Instagram from Steph, for more from Stephanie, health And she is at stephanie.ruper on Instagram. Thanks so much for being here guys. We will talk to you next week.